This is Tom Lee, Chief Medical Officer from Prescani, and we're here with another of our interviews from our series of good doctors, doctors who have been finding something in their work that allows them in a sustainable way to love their work and uh, enjoy their overall lives and uh, to the benefits of their patients. Today, we're talking with Dr. Jay Punkasam, and he can help us if I'm mispronouncing the name, who is a palliative care physician at BayCare, uh, the delivery system in Florida. I learned of him through one of the medical leaders there, Bruce Flareau, and uh, what he told me is that his colleagues love him, his colleagues admire him, and his patients do the same. And he says, you got to talk to this guy. He is integrating so many parts of his life. He's integrating so many disciplines, acupuncture, massage, as well as being an excellent Western-style doctor. And he's put it together in this marvelous package that makes, makes him joyful in his work, and it makes everyone else around him happier as well. So Bruce introduced us. So that's our conversation. Is he, what can we learn from what he does and how he does it that might help the rest of us get more joy out of our work as well? So Jay, uh, starting off, like, tell us about your practice. Just a very quick couple minutes here and a listing of these different kinds of skills that Blue Sparrow was talking about that you bring to the table that's such an unusual combination. Hi, Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, that was a very awesome introduction. Yeah, this, I'm glad that Bruce was able to link us up. One of the things that, you know, in my practice that I do is I, I, I've looked around and saw the, some, of the, not, some of the deficiencies that through training that I've encountered coupled with patient interaction and care. So I developed, as I saw the things that were lacking in patient care and myself and my family, I looked at, you know, what else can we bring to the table to help people? And what I've learned over time, I was a licensed massage therapist prior to going to medical school. After getting that training, I started medical school, went through medical school, went through family medicine residency training. And I always thought, you know, what else is out there? And prior to all that, I, before medical school, I actually thought about going to acupuncture school, chiropractic school, you know, different other modalities out there. So after finishing residency, I said, what am I going to do with my life? And I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. So I stayed an extra year at the residency program doing an administrative fellowship. And that's when I started uh, training in medical acupuncture. After that, I did a fellowship in integrative medicine with Dr. Andrew Weil out uh, in the University of Arizona as well. So I picked up a lot of different modalities along the way. I did, you know, healing touch certifications, acupuncture. My latest certification now has been, uh, I got certified recently in personal training. That was my latest tool to my toolkit. There's a lot of things out there that uh, different people respond to, and I try to gain as much knowledge as possible so you can help a whole a wide variety of people. Well, I think you're, you're painting a picture of you would get training and you want to help your patients and you know the limits of what you can do. You, you don't just accept that. You, you think, okay, what else could I do? And you go out and try to acquire different skills to see if that will enable you to do more. You're focused more on helping your patients than this is what I do. Is that a fair, fair way of looking at it? Yeah, definitely. Because people, people look at me sometimes and they're like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, why not? 
you know, because I think being a, just being a big sponge uh, in life is one of the greatest things because you continue to learn. And I think when you stop learning, you stop living. Well, okay. So let's step back a little bit and get a little bit of the Jay Poonkotsam story. So like, you know, where are you from? Like, are, are you an immigrant or your parents immigrants? Um, how did you turn out the way you turned out? Yeah. So my parents are from Thailand. You know, they're born, both born over there. And I was born in uh, New York. They came over and they're, you know, they're citizens of the United States and everything like that now. Once I, I actually grew up in Plant City, which is a really small town in Florida. I have one sister, she's older than me. Uh, and kind of growing up is, you know, we were in a little small town and it was kind of close and friendly. Uh, my, my uncle was a OBGYN in Plant City back then as well. So, you know, there's a lot of different influences along the way, but that's kind of how I grew up. What kind of work did your parents do? My father was an uh, um, electrician and my mom uh, was a homemaker. She stayed home and cared for the kids and uh, took care of the household, which is a huge job. How did you make your way into medicine? Like, was it your uncle's influence? Yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit of everything. So I, the first thing that I remember was actually in seventh grade. So we had a life sciences class and we started to learn about the human body at the time. And I was amazed at how the different organ systems started working with each other and how things were so uh, interconnected. And that kind of initiated my interest in medicine. And uh, one, I remember one summer I was in Thailand visiting uh, family and my grandfather was ill at the hospital. And, you know, he was, you know, looking back now, I'm like, wow, you know, there's, you know, you wish you could help back then, but now you look back and you said, you know, if we, if I knew what I knew now, you know, could I have possibly helped them out? So I think there's a lot of influences there. It's not very multifactorial, but, you know, those images kind of stick with you over time and, you know, th those kind of helped uh, shape me to the career path that I'm on. The, the other aspect of, you know, why it looks like I've gone into this integrative uh, medicine uh, world, uh, in my point of view, using, you know, incorporating mind, body, spirit, is, you know, looking at my own family going through the medical system. And my uncle, you know, he was Western medicine trained, different things with my parents as well. Some of their issues weren't able to be fixed 100% with Western modalities. So I was introduced early on to, you know, acupuncture, chiropractic, meditation, you know, massage, all these different modalities. And what I've realized was that there's not one modality for everyone. So everyone has a different modality that they may respond to. Knowing as much as you can is going to give you the best opportunity to treat patients the best and get them to the goals that they want and the life that they want the best as possible. All right, so can you give us an example of a patient in your work at BayCare in which you called upon these different skills and, and either tried them sequentially or integrated them in a way that really made a difference for the patient? Yeah, one of the uh, patients in the past uh, years ago that I had actually had a chief complaint of incessant crying, okay? Uh, this patient had a glioblastoma uh, had a subtotal resection of it. And, you know, for six months, they couldn't get her to stop crying. They were trying all sorts of antidepressants, antipsychotics, and nothing worked. You know, I saw her, I basically talked to her, I talked to her family, it was her husband and her daughter at the time, interviewed them a little bit. And, and I gave the patient a sheet of paper. And I said, write down what you're feeling, kind of like uh, writing therapy for her. I said, write what you're feeling, 
what's coming to mind, you know, what are your emotions and things like that. So she started writing, you know, I love my family. I love my daughter. Uh, and then one, one sentence, one line stood out the most. It said, this is a direct quote. I loved when I good looked. It took me a moment to kind of decipher it out a little bit, to step back and said, oh, she meant I, I loved when I used to look good. Okay. So what I eventually figured out was that the incessant crying started after her surgery. When I'm looking at her, she looks perfectly normal to me. Okay. But in her own mind, she's no longer normal. She was to herself. She feels like she's disfigured. So once we figured that out, we started using different modalities. You know, I was able to do um, acupuncture. We did some clinical hypnotherapy work, did some healing touch, breathing exercises, things like that. And within three days, she was able to smile, laugh. Um, she stopped crying. Uh, her mom came to me and said, this is amazing. You did in three days what they couldn't do in six months. So, you know, these are powerful. You know, these, I have crazy stories, amazing stories, because we were able to help not only the patients, but their families as well. And, you know, that's what keeps you going every day. You able to make a big difference. All right. So I'm, uh, you know, maybe give me some advice as a clinician, because like, you know, uh, in all honesty, after this call, I'm going to go over to the home of a patient of mine who I recently got. He's in his 60s and he's got a malign malignant glioblastoma. Okay. And, you know, and you know, partially aphasic. I mean, it's a terrible situation overall. Correct. And, uh, yeah, I actually don't want to bring him into the office for an appointment, for another appointment, because I know I'm not really going to be doing anything for him there. Okay. But I'm trying to show him that I care and I'm not forgetting about him. And that's why, you know, his, his home is actually only a few blocks from where I am now. So I'm going to go over there. Okay. But what should I do? Like if it were you, what would you, how would you structure things when you walk in the door to see him? And it sounds like, uh, Tom, you have a great relationship with him already. And I think that's, that's an important key to have the trust of the patient. It's actually a new relationship, I'm tr but I'm trying, I'm trying to make it a good one because I know that there's difficult stuff ahead. It sounds like you're a very caring uh, person. So I think that's one of the most important things too, is to listen. Okay. Listen to your patient. And I think that's a basic skill that a lot of physicians have lost over time because of the time crunch. And I believe that if you listen and let them speak, they're going to let you know, they're going to let you in their world and you're going to, you're going to be amazed at what you hear and what they tell you. That piece alone, once you're in, once you have that, have that trust with them and let them speak and hear you and be genuine about it, because I think being genuine and allowing the patient and you to relate to one another is going to be an important step. Once that happens, you're, you're going to be able to guide them a little bit more. Once they tell you, you know, that's why the mind, body, spiritual connection is important. If they have a pain issue, for instance, you know, we're not going to load them up on pain medications. You know, that's why we have this whole opiate crisis that we're dealing with nowadays. Their pain might be spiritual pain. It might be emotional pain due to our illness. They might have a loved one or family member that's having issues, but it's causing them pain in the, inside. You know, treating them with pain medications is not the right answer at that point. So when you're letting them speak, you're hearing their story unfold. And once that happens, you know, it might be simple breathing techniques. And, you know, I, I learned a real easy, simple breathing technique in my integrative medicine fellowship from Dr. Wally taught me the four, seven, eight breathing technique. And that I teach my patients uh, at the hospital that, and it's 
quick, simple, cheap, because it's free and it works done on a regular basis. So you can always teach your patient the breathing exercises and that helps with anxiety, can help with pain if uh, done early on. Those are some things, uh, uh, Tom, that you know you can definitely share with your patient. If uh, they're having anxiety, you know, t- trouble sleeping, these simple, just breathing. You know, we forget about breathing during the day because you know life's life's hectic, and slow, deep, uh, conscious breathing sometimes helps the parasympathetic nervous system kick in and allows the sympathetics to tone down a little bit. That's that goes a long way, and we oftentimes forget about that simple technique. Well, you know, this is really helpful because, I mean, in, on, in honesty, the reason I'm making this trip over there is I feel guilty, and I, I because I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to drag him into the office, but I don't want him to feel like I'm not, uh, I don't care, but I feel bad, and I, and I, you know, and so I'm going over there to assuage my own guilt, but then when I walk in the door, I know I don't have tools, and you just brought up a tool that I don't really have, but there maybe I can do something to actually help this guy and show him that I, I want to help him and his family. Now, I know that a lot of our listeners will be thinking they don't have these tools and they also don't have this time. I'm sure there's pressure on you to make a living uh, as well as do things that you love. How do you deal with the pressures to, you know, you have to see X number of patients per week do you ever start to get burned out and feel like heaving a sigh as you approach a doorway to go like, uh, I'll be approaching a doorway very shortly? I mean, it, it's a natural part of life is, you know, you're, you're, in the, uh, you're in the cycle, you know, and I think burnout's huge. And using these techniques, every time I, I feel as though, you know, oh, I have to go see that person. Oh, this is not going to be good. Once I approach that door, and if I'm feeling that, and we talked about that breathing, simple breathing technique, that's what I do. I take a simple few seconds to do deep breathing, and you know what? It settles me down. I go in, and you're able to have a good visit uh, with that that person. It doesn't matter if you're seeing a patient, you're walking to an important meeting, whatever it is. It could be your family, whatever. If you're having those feelings of burnout, but you need to perform that breathing goes such a long way. And again, like I said, it's free, it's fast, and it's effective. Well, that doesn't fit uh, many things that we do in healthcare. (laughs) So let me end by asking, so what's your advice for colleagues who might love their work less than you do? How can they discover and recapture the joy that you found? Any, Any advice? I think keep an open mind. And if you're feeling as though you're not enjoying things that you used to do, I'd, take, I'd let them take a t- uh, travel back into time, back into what they felt drove, in the, drove them into medicine and really harness that feeling and said, why did, I, why did I go into medicine? See if they can dig down deep and find that. And sometimes, you know what, your career path may change after that. You might look into doing something completely different than what you're doing now. It's, it's going to be a big leap, but if, if things aren't working out the way you, you want them to be right now, you know, sometimes thinking back to what brought you here in the first place might be an inspiration to continue on. You know, like I said, keep an open mind also because there's a lot of tools out there. doesn't mean you have to go and learn everything, but just educate yourself a little bit about the different modalities. It might change your own life and it might change other people's lives as well. 
Well, that is great advice on multiple levels. I mean, I, I hope that the for those listening carefully, you've heard more than a pep talk, but there's an introduction to uh, a toolkit and, and then some insights about how those the use of those tools can be integrated in a way that benefits patients and benefits the caregivers themselves. Well, thanks very much. It's tragic that you can't walk over with me to that patient's house now. I'd love to, Tom. <laughs> but I will do my best to struggle along without you. And, uh, and I thank you so much for spending the time with us today. And thanks to your BayCare colleagues who introduced me to you. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. It's been a great uh, honor being on with you. And I'm glad Dr. Bruce Fleureau introduced us.